Welcome back to another episode of Rosenballs. Um, Celtic season's over. Just kind of a quick postmortem uh, on that. So, look, I think in the series, I'd argue Boston was the more talented team. Probably not a lot more talented, a bit more talented. But, I mean, the IQ difference was, was off the charts, right? And I think the turnovers played into that. Um, having over 100 turnovers uh, in a six-game uh, series is a, apparently a finals record. And, and, that, and that's the series right there. So, and I think a lot of that has to do with IQ, is decision-making, it's, you know, things like that. So, the Celtics are a young team. You know, they'll be back. They're, they'll be okay. I do think they need some minor tweaks, nothing major. Like, I, I don't think they need to get any huge pieces. They should just kind of develop chemistry of this core um, and this unit. The one guy I would look at, I would look at guys like Royce O'Neal, Alec Burks. I think if they can get a player who could play either wing slot and maybe even handle a little bit to take take that you know roll off smart, come off the bench in a playoff series, defend opposing teams' you know top talent, play make a little bit and shoot a little bit, that works. And I think Alec Burks would be the right pickup. I think for the Knicks, they, they obviously want to unload a guy like him, and there's probably a match there, right? And then in just terms of youth and talent the Celtics are going to develop, look, I, I you don't want to – you don't you want to make sure the cupboard isn't dry. And right now, Naismith and Pritchard are the only guys on rookie deals that the Celtics, you know, could develop. And – Neither one looks super hot right now, right? I think Peyton Pritchard, his role is going to get diminished after the Derek White deal. He did get some playoff minutes. He, he flirted in the rotation here and there. Uh, but could it be as impactful because he's undersized for a shooter. And if you're going to play with White and Smart, you're going to play more off the ball. So Pritchard, I don't know what his role is going to be long-term with Smart and, and, and White and Tone. Those guys are obviously more important pieces. They gave up a lot of assets to get Derek White. So Pritchard's a guy... I would actually, and I and look. I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of like, oh, make trades, make trades, make trades. But you know, the Knicks, a, a, a deal that I would consider something like Pritchard for Alec Burks or the Knicks second rounder. They have like the 44th pick or something. And if you're the Celtics, you take a stab at 44. You hope to get someone like a Grant Williams type, which you're able to strike with late in the draft. Jake Laravia would be a great option there, just the back of the bench insurance guy that you can develop, and then. Alec Burks fits, and I think it's a home run deal for the Knicks, quite frankly, because Pritchard would be a great off-the-ball guy with Barrett. He makes sense with uh, backing up or, or starting for quickly, and that's the route. Fine. Golden State, real quick on them. Look, they don't have – they still don't have a lot of years left, and I do think – this is for both the Celtics and the Warriors, quite frankly. There's obviously no guarantee this is going to be the finals next year. I think you're seeing a dozen teams or so. I put them in two tiers of contenders next year. I think there's the, let's call it the teams that have greater than, better than a 10% chance, 10 to 20, and then teams that are 5 to 10%. And I think depending on injuries in the playoffs, as you saw, right, the Celtics did. So really back, back to Rosenbaum's here. So as I was saying, right, I think, I think you're going to see um, there's two tiers, right? So basically one tier are teams that have a greater than 10% chance of contending. And I have about five or six teams in there. And then, um, geez, let me just do it. 
and then another uh, dozen, you know, another five or six that have about five to ten, five to ten percent versus ten to twenty. So the ten to twenty percent guys, you got to start with. Let's start with each conference. So in the West, I think it's actually Clippers. I I, I would, and again, like the if healthy thing is big, but if the Clippers are healthy and you have Kawhi and Paul George in a playoff series healthy, that team should be the favorite to win it all. Right. I mean, that that really should be it. They are perfect today's NBA. What well, Kawhi you get back is a question, but if you load manage your way for the Clippers, and Kawhi's going to have to play some in the regular season and can get a top four seed, that to me is, is one of those teams. So I, I actually have the Clippers there in the West. Golden State's going to be one of the Western teams. And I, look, you got to say Memphis. Memphis is going to organically improve. Jaw's only going to get better. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., those are the three teams out west. And just to kind of make it even in the east, the three teams I would say is Brooklyn, Boston, and Milwaukee. I think those three teams really have what, what matters in today's NBA. I think Milwaukee with Giannis is the most dominant player uh, in the east right now. And then the Brooklyn Nets is really dependent on Simmons and how he comes because KD and Kyrie, if they play enough during the regular season, they get buy-in. You know, they get, again, if they get a top-four seed, that, that should be enough. I think the issue last year was Kyrie just came on too late, um, and there was, they couldn't develop any chemistry. If they developed some chemistry, that's a different issue, and obviously the Celtics are there. So those, that's Tier 1. Those teams, in my opinion, have a 10 to, 10 to 20% shot. And right now, according to the betting lines, uh, they kind of agree with this, right? Golden State right now is 5-1, to one. so they have a 20% shot according to the betting lines. I wouldn't give that that high of a percentage, so I wouldn't make that bet. I don't think it's good bang for your buck, but that's Tier 1. Tier 2, the next three in each slot. So in the West, uh, I'm going to go Phoenix, Denver, and Dallas. And there might be four in the West and two in the East, actually. Phoenix, uh, Denver, Dallas. I'm actually going to throw New Orleans in there. Phoenix, obviously, they made the finals two years ago. Um, they were playing well against Dallas. They should have won that series. And they just got blown out in Game 7. That was unfortunate. For them and me, it's going to depend on what happens with the Aiton deal. So if they swap Aiton for two productive pieces, they do a deal, for example, with Indiana. They could get Turner and Brogdon. They need two pieces back. Um, if they can do that then, you know, Phoenix could be right back there. Again, just the way they lost to Dallas is, is, problems, is, is a problematic. Dallas is going to improve. Luka's going to get better. So that's already a huge organic improvement. And then Christian Wood, if he gives them something and, you know, give them what Porzingis is supposed to do, that could be quite big. It's also going to depend for Dallas, I think, on how they utilize Tim Hardaway Jr. Can they do a sign-and-trade? Can they get another piece using him uh, is going to be big. Dallas's only move there is probably going to get back contracts. They also have to get an MLE guy. So how they finalize the rest of the roster is going to be big. But with Luca, you got to put them in the in the mix. He can have, as he did this year, one hell of a playoff run. New Orleans, I like a lot because of again they, they almost beat Phoenix, and maybe you could be an argument maybe Phoenix wasn't that good. Well, look, New Orleans did it again, kind of like the Clippers. They were a low playoff seed. They lost the Minnesota, the Clippers. New Orleans really almost upset Phoenix, and they're get, and it depends on Zion. 
if Zion comes back and gives them something, we have no idea what it is, but could fit on that team. And, you know, Coach Green can figure him out of the rotation. That, that, that's got a lot of potential, again, in the playoff series. Right? So this is all to say is really good for the NBA. You have maybe your top seven on the West could really win it, which is crazy. But it could depend on seedings there. I, I like those four. Um, and I'll give an honorable mention to Minnesota. I don't think they make my cup because, well, I think they're really good. I do think they're, they're a pretty decent talent away. So it's not like, there's not like a what if scenario that exists for Minnesota. And I'll just nip on Denver. Denver was the sixth seed. Okay. Now they did, uh, get kind of clobbered in, in round one, which again was to Golden State and Golden State won the title. So you got to caveat that, but they did it without Murray and Porter Jr. So again, that what if for me is going to be dependent on both Murray coming back and Michael Porter Jr. Denver, Minnesota, to me, is really uh, the team that's flirting with being out in, or in of that tier, right? They're probably in the low end. I would say Dallas, Phoenix, in some order, and New Orleans are the three, with Minnesota and Denver, one of those guys, getting in that tier, depending on the health. In the East... The other teams in the tier, so now adding to the big three of Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Boston. And again, I'm not saying they finish conference-wise seedings this way. I'm literally just telling you who's got the best chance of winning it, which means they have a core rotation going on in the playoffs. Miami, obviously. They're a Jimmy Butler three away. Question is going to be what organic improvement they're getting. I think Lowry is going to be on the decline, so that you know Hebrew really has to take this step, or and or it's going to depend. Obviously, they could move into tier one if they get a major trade via Hero. If they get Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, uh, or Bradley Beal, some kind of deal that's going to be huge. The other team in the East, um, yeah, it's going to be Philadelphia. If again, and Philadelphia to me is is probably the weakest of this bunch because. There was really no signs of Harden and that working, right? Now they're going to have another year. Maxie's going to be healthy, hopefully. Can that be enough to win a series? I, I'm, I'm pretty bearish on Philly. But the surprise team that, that could emerge out of that group in the East is actually Toronto. So Toronto, I thought, played a decent series against Philly. I think they can continue to improve. They are in the cusp of making a decent deal. Depends on OG and Anobi what trades that they make. But if they have this core of Van Fleet, Trenton Jr., Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Siakam, with the right bench pieces, that, to me, is another team that could jump into this, let's call it 5 to 10% range of chances to win the title. So there you have you about a dozen to 13 teams with over a 5% chance, about six teams with over a 10% chance which is really, really strong. And below those, the outside looking in, I don't, I think there is a gap, right? So again, I'm, I'm kind of combining Minnesota in here as well. I, again, the other teams that could get in, you know, maybe the Lakers, if they make the playoffs and are healthy, which is actually quite a big if. Um, you have LeBron and Anthony Davis in a series, that's scary. Okay. But again, that's a pretty decent, they have to be healthy. They have to make these right veteran minimum signings. I just, I, I don't trust their management to do that. And then in the East is probably Chicago. And, you know, again, Chicago, for me, um, it's going to depend on the trades that they make. They have to keep Levine. Lonzo Ball needs to come back healthy. 
which could be really big for them. Um, and if they could get Rudy Gobert in this proposed Vucevic trade, which has been swirling around, now you got, that's the other thing that can pop it. So, and those, I would say, not over 5%, probably over 2.5%. And that's probably the extent. But there, I don't think there's ever been a year like this where you had, call it 12 to 14 teams with over a 5% chance, which is probably going to be mathematically impossible once you add these odds, right, of winning the title. And that's why the, this loss really hurts Boston, because I don't think they're going to get that close again. It's just going to be tough with this road. They have to win all these series again. They have to beat a likely healthy Milwaukee team. They're probably going to have to get a little lucky again, right, as they had. So it, it's hard to replicate this road, and they shouldn't sit on their laurels. I mean, look at Phoenix. Phoenix didn't get back there after, after losing. A lot of teams don't. I, I always bring up the 95 Orlando Magic. They didn't either. So there's going to be a lot of testing here for Boston uh, uh, to get there, uh, which is interesting. Quick thoughts um, as we as we move on for the NBA season, now focusing on the draft, which we'll talk about. We'll, we'll, we're going to take a little break soon, but we'll talk about the draft. There, there seems to be a clear consensus top three. And, again, I've mentioned a lot about Chet Holmgren. I'm obviously obsessed with him. Um He's not going to go one, right? It really looks like Jabari Smith uh, is going to go one. I would probably even – I'm trying to see if, if there's a book that's going to take that bet. But that seems to me – at least the top three seem pretty sold in. Four is going to depend on who trades up there, but but Ivy is probably going four. So it's also rare to me that it's been that this tight of a top four. I think Woj and uh, Shams have kind of cut the thrill of the the draft a little bit by trying to announce picks. I think the NBA should try to step in there. Um, And it really hurts the draft. It's like knowing the score before the game. So hoping the NBA does something there because it's not exciting to watch the draft when you know uh, the picks. But that's the top four. Then it's up for grabs a little bit, right? Detroit, I think, is... I'm unsure where they're going to go. I, I would say it's probably Keegan Murray or Matherin. And it depends on if you're Detroit. There's never been a team in the league that needs spacing more than Detroit. They led the league by far, actually, in open three-point attempts. The only reason why you lead the league in open three-point attempts by such a substantial margin that they did is because the other team wants them to shoot three. So knowing that and knowing Matherin could be there at five, that's probably a, a guy that they look at. Uh, look, he's going to space the floor with them. I think Keegan Murray is a substantially better player, but fit matters here, obviously. And look, if I'm Detroit, okay, I'm moving Grant to get a shooter and a pick. I think Grant for Duncan Robinson and a Miami first, I, I do that. Considering what Wood got, I do it. Considering you know how Duncan Robinson's stocks fall, that's, that's going to be the spacer. And now I can get another spacer in Keegan Murray who could play small ball four, and now my lineup looks great. I could roll with, you know, Cade, Duncan Robinson, uh, Bay, Murray. Uh, you could keep, you know, Beef Stew in there at the five. That's a nice young core. So it's, a lot of this is going to depend on what um, Detroit does at five is going to be the domino of this draft. You know, or, and this is something we spoke with with Detroit, or they could do a swap play with Indiana. 
because Indiana could really use uh, the fifth pick because they, they could really use Kingsbury. I mean, you talk about uh, a perfect fit. I mean, that's it right there. So it's going to depend on uh, what they do uh, as well. But there's going to be a lot of stuff going on there. I do think Matherin Murray go in some order. Now, what, what's going to change a little bit, honestly, is if the Pistons, if the Pistons take Keegan Murray, it could go a lot of different directions. Because now Indiana's obvious guy is off the board. And I'm not quite sure what they do at six anymore if, if, if Murray goes five and, and then Detroit just does a we'll figure it out kind of play, which is, you know, totally fair, right? They could draft Murray. Actually, not even not Detroit goes wait, right? They could draft Murray. Let him develop off the bench. They don't have to start him immediately. You know, see how he does. And then trade Grant at the deadline. That's fine. Right? Try to get a pick out of someone and then start Murray the second half and, you know, run that whole thing. So that's going to dictate a lot of, of, of what we're going to see here. And, and you know, we'll see how... Uh, We'll see how the rest, you know, the rest of the things plays play itself out. 